Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Teeson. This episode brought to you by Cover Media. Cover Media and the World Entertainment News Network deliver licensed media content for your website, including breaking lifestyle news, high-res photos, and HD video stories updated 24-7. Learn more at MomentumMediaNetworks.com. CKNW News Talk 980 celebrated its 75th anniversary this week, just steps from where its original broadcast took place in New Westminster, B.C. on August 15, 1944. Hungry for news about the war, founding owner Bill Ray was the first in the region to embrace the idea of hourly newscasts. In 1947, NW also became the first station in the province to broadcast 24 hours a day. For much of its history, CKNW has been a veritable ratings powerhouse with a fiercely loyal listener base. As an NW alum myself, I can tell you I've never worked at a more competitive news outlet that was on top of as many stories. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, conversations with NW alumni Bill Good, Shirley Stalker, George Garrett, Barb Welsh, Jordan Armstrong, and Chorus National AM Radio Director Larry Gifford on the legacy of CKNW. When it happens early or late, you'll hear it first on 98. Keep listening to 98NW Top Dog. Bill Good, longtime uh, CKNW talk show host, uh, part time television news anchor, and all kinds of other things in the broadcast business over 50 years. How long were you with NW, and, and when did you start? I started in 1988. I think I was here 26 years. I started in the afternoon. Rafe Mayer was doing the mornings, and I did that for I think about 15 years. I haven't done the I haven't done the math, and then the last 10 years I did the morning show. What would you say was the highlight of your time at CKNW? Being at CKNW, seriously, it was because it was a it was a monumental station in its time in North America. Uh, probably, and it was a unique radio station uh, today. And this is not to disparage any radio stations, but there's a tendency to try and do sort of cookie cutter radio or a, a network, whichever one it is. We'll try to do the same thing in Toronto and Winnipeg and Calgary and Vancouver. CKNW's great secret or success was it had individual personalities. Uh, Bill Hughes did a, a show from the the Greyhound bus depot in the morning at 8:30 prime time. And I remember somebody in the later stages of my time at NW saying, we should do that again. I said, you can't. He said, why not? I said, because you don't have Bill Hughes. I mean, you, could you imagine a consultant saying well, you should start at 8.30 in the morning with a guy on a bus talking to tourists? But because he'd been everywhere in the world, he made it really engaging, and it was great radio. You couldn't get two diff- more different people, probably, in terms of either personality or approach than Bill Good and Rafe Mayer. But people listened to both of us in huge numbers because we brought something to the station that wasn't available anywhere else. So and we had Jack Cullen did a, a late night talk show and he played old old music and played tapes of people like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. And, you know, it, it was unique, but it couldn't be formatted. It couldn't be copied. They couldn't go in Toronto and say, you should do what they're doing in Vancouver because they didn't have the people. 
Can you talk, for people who maybe are out of market and don't know CKNW's history, can you talk about the powerhouse that that station historically has been in terms of, well, your talk show would be a good example. I mean, people really, particularly politicians, they wanted that airtime on the Bill Good Show. They did, and they really couldn't deny us. They knew how important it was, and, and the audience that we had, They yes, they wanted it, but they also felt they had to do it because we had the audience. And uh, if, if they didn't come on, it, we, you know, they needed us more than we needed them. There were times when a politician would be mad at us and say, well, I'm not going to go on. I go, okay, don't come on. Not hurting my feelings, and it's not hurting my ratings, but it's not doing you any good either. Is there a particular anecdote that stands out for you from your time there? Oh, heavens. You know, my, when I left, my producer, Jessica Garris, determined I'd done 40,000 interviews. So it's a little hard to, to pick one out. I, I did say to Simi on the, on the program on NW that Peter Ustinoff was certainly one who stood out, and, and not because he was a huge name, but because he was a big brain and a really engaging fellow and a, and a terrific person to spend an hour with. So, yeah, and I interviewed Pierre Trudeau. I interviewed virtually every prime minister, well, every prime minister from Peter Tr- Pierre Trudeau to today, and every premier from Bill Bennett to today. So, it, um, you know, I've just, it, you can't pin it down to one when you've done 40,000. Anything else you want to add, Bill? No, just that it's been a great ride, and I'm uh, very privileged to have spent uh, 26 of my 50-odd years in broadcasting at this radio station. Thank you. You bet. Shirley Stalker, former executive producer, CKNW talk shows for 40 years. And I was with the CKNW Orphans Fund for 10 years. I started in 1991. Uh, I had come from the CBC. I had done a story on CBC radio. And it was a story about um, the various uh, offshore companies buying Canadian fishing plants, fishing processing plants. And um, I did the story and knew that I had the story right, but it went on the air and the CBC didn't like it, and neither did CBC Ottawa like it because the politicians didn't like it. The fact of the matter was the politicians had said there would be no more sale of offshore fishing processing plants, and they lied. And I found out from Graham Lee, who was the MP for Prince Rupert at the time, that that wasn't the case. And so I went on air with that, and CBC then um, canceled my contract. And as soon as they canceled the contract, of course, the word was spread that I was no longer with CBC. And Hal Davis from CKNW phoned and said, I like what you've done. Why don't you come out and have a talk with me? We're looking for somebody at CKNW to do investigative work. So from there, I began with the CKNW investigators. And then you rose through the ranks to executive producer. Yes, and that took a few years, and I rose to the ranks of executive producer, and that was wonderful because I had to work with so many talented, incredible talk show hosts throughout the years. Um, Gary Bannerman, Philip Till, Bill Good, you name them, David Berner, um, you just name the talk show hosts that I had an opportunity to work with. Were you one of the first women to hold the executive producer role? I was the first woman to hold an executive producer role. I wasn't the first woman to hold a producer role with the talk shows, but certainly the first woman to hold that position. 
and um, it worked very well. The guys were great. They were mostly guys. At that time, there were no women on the air. Uh, women were not necessarily accepted. I think the public didn't like female voices. And I was told that many times when I went on air. They didn't like female voices. And so we said, well, we still need female hosts. And then along came uh, Christy, uh, Christy Clark. Along came a bunch of other female hosts. And um, from there we, we grew, and it's great. So how did you transition to working on the charity side of the station? When I left the um, executive producer's position, Hal Davis, who was the administrator at the time, was retiring, and so he asked if I would take over the CKNW Orphans Fund. So I did that for a period of 10 years. Is there a particular highlight that you can think of that, you know, would synopsize your best time at NW? I think the best time at NW, for me personally, was when we set about um, to save the Trade and Convention Center. There was talk about having a Trade and Convention Center in the city, and every every government, the provincial, the municipal, and the federal government were having trouble agreeing that we should have the Trade and Convention Center and a cruise ship terminal at the same, combined, and they were all having trouble trying to decide who was going to pay for it. So Gary and I set about to interview everybody who was anybody who might have had anything to do with helping us get that done. And then we set up a petition and we got over 10,000 names, 10,000 envelopes delivered to our office. One office was, was filled with all these petitions. And we finally went to the federal government and said the people want it. And so they, they coughed up their money and we ended up with having a trade and convention center. I think the other highlight of my career was when there were hostage takings at the BC Penitentiary and Gary was asked to be one of the um, moderators and he went to the penitentiary on the same days that he was supposed to be doing the show and so I had to fill in for him and that was okay except I was doing the show but at the same time I was getting reports from the penitentiary where they had said that Andy Bruce had, had killed Mary Steinhauser, and I knew that Gary was out there, and the next possibility could have been him. And so it was pretty pretty scary for some time, and then he managed to leave, and he was not harmed. Can you talk about, I guess, the place that CKNW holds for people in the lower mainland of B.C.? In talking to people today at this anniversary, it's amazing people say that they've had CKNW on their radios since they were children and their parents had it on. And I can't imagine the numbers of people, and I know why CKNW was number one, because we always said, we will be number one, or you, you come on the air with us and be number one, or don't come on the air with us. So it was a policy that we established very early, and it stuck. So if politicians wanted to come on the air with CKNW, they had to come on with us first. Even though Webster was our major competitor at the time, they still came on CKNW first. And I think that's what put us in that position. Thanks, Shirley. You're so welcome. It's nice to see you. George Garrett. Uh, I'm a veteran of CKNW. I started in 1956 when I was about 20 years old. I'm now 84 and I've been retired 20 years. 
that was back when NW was known as the top dog. Do you want to talk about what the station's presence was in the lower mainland? We were just, uh, I think, at the beginning of a very exciting period in radio. And I think it spanned several decades. And I was so fortunate to be part of it. Uh, Bill Ray, the founder, had hired uh, an artist from Disney to create uh, the Top Dog logo. And it looked kind of goofy, but it represented, um, I think, the spirit of the station. We were going to be number one. And we worked very hard, whether it was news or promotion or sales or whatever, to be number one. And indeed, we were. At times, we had challenges. Uh, Pat Burns, for example, was a a tremendous uh, threat to us. And Jack Webster at times when he worked for CJOR. But somehow our management found a way to keep us on top. Probably the most interesting story is that Webster was killing us when he was on CJOR. Our manager at the time named Ted Smith came up with a plan. We had co-ownership with BCTV. So he said, if you hire Webster and put him on television, we'll pay his salary for two years. And it killed CJOR when they lost Webster. It strengthened BCTV, and it helped CKNW. Great story. Do you have any other highlights from your time at NW that really stand out for you? Well, I guess the most interesting one to our listeners was that I was assaulted in Los Angeles covering the Rodney King riots in 1992. I came out of it with a broken jaw, and I still have uh, some titanium plates in my upper jaw. I came home and uh, became kind of the focus of a local angle to the Los Angeles uh, Rodney King riots, and in a perverse way, it kind of helped my career. And uh, throughout the years, I had a number of stories that I was associated with, I guess, uh, one would be a terrible story, and that was the, the murder of 11 children by a man named Clifford Olson. And I had some very good police contacts on that, so I was able to stay on top of it. So perhaps uh, known for, for being, being beat up in Los Angeles and doing the Clifford Olson stories and a few others along the way. You've had a lot of people come up to you today at this event and tell you about what the station means to them. Can you, can you talk about that? Well, it's very touching because I knew in my heart that all through the years, uh, when I was assaulted in Los Angeles, when my wife came down with Alzheimer's, we lost our son in a canoeing accident, people really were with me all the way. They, they felt my pain, they knew about my successes, and I had a bond with people that I'd never seen. And at the event today, I met many, many of those people who said that my reports meant something to them, and they still remembered me to this day. And I still get that, you know, even though I've been retired 20 years, I'll be ordering something at a grocery store, and someone will say, I know that voice. And they remember that I was on the radio. Even my dentist one day did the same thing. And he said, my father had a radio high up on a kitchen shelf. And we knew as kids that we dare not touch that radio. It had to remain on CKNW. So CKNW was a part of a way of life for so many people for many, many years. And as one of those who was on the radio, I feel very good about that. It's very fulfilling. Thanks, George. Thank you very much.
My name is Barb Welsh. I was the first woman uh, sales radio sales rep in Canada, not to age myself. What year was that? A uh, long time ago. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I uh, I actually started uh, when I was 18 years old. So right out of uh, school, I went into that, and uh, then went to BCIT at night and got a marketing degree and. Yeah, so I uh, have worked at all the radio stations, and then NW was my final destination. I never went anywhere after that. Can you talk about the advertiser loyalty to this station? Well, the fact is, I uh, would hate to be a radio station that wasn't this station, because once you were on this station, there was no need to go anyplace else. There really wasn't. It's a sad fact. But uh, I found out myself from being at other radio stations and then coming to CKNW, uh, the results just uh, it, it magnified so much that you just never wanted to be anyplace else. Uh, the results just spoke for themselves. And the Mori Auto Group is one of those longtime advertisers. They never, um, they never went anywhere else after that. They, um, they, they got involved in the sports. They got involved with the personalities. They sort of did all the promotions. So they uh, kind of built their brand on, on CKNW. What do you think it is about the station that has made it so intrinsic to the Lower Mainland BC experience? I think that uh, the main thing from selling, and I sold rock radio also, is the fact that people listen to commercials. I hate to say that, uh, you know, that you know, a lot of people won't believe that. They think it's the programming, but um, it, it, the commercials kind of slide into the programming, and so you don't get the people switching back and forth, and they are listening so intently to what the personalities are saying or the news people are saying or the promo people are saying that it, the commercials run right in, and they believe it as much as they just uh, listen to the news. Okay. Anything you want to add? Uh, well, let's put it this way. Uh, it was a pretty lucrative ride for <laughs> in the old days of CKNW, and uh, we're all, uh, we, we all uh, had a nice life because of it. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Jordan Armstrong. I work global now. I'm a reporter and anchor there, but I started at CKNW when I was 19. So tell me, what was it like to grow up listening to CKNW and then end up working there. It was bizarre. I couldn't believe I was there working with these giants like Bill Good, Neil McRae, Philip Till, Terry Shintz, people who I remember as a kid growing up, the way I got into CKNW, like a lot of people, was through sports, right? Remember going to bed at night with a Sony Walkman and putting the hockey game on and listening to the hockey game. That's how I got hooked to CKNW. And then gradually, after the game, the news would come on. And then I got into the news and I decided that's what I wanted to do. So to finally get there, it was it was surreal to be there and to be working with these giants. I couldn't believe I was there. I still can't. So can you talk about the competitive nature of what happens in the newsroom? Can you explain what that is like to be in the middle of that as a, as a rookie reporter? It was scary because you didn't want to screw up, right? Especially as a young broadcaster who didn't go the traditional route of going to smaller markets, making my mistakes there. I was 
fortunate or unfortunate, however you look at it, to be starting at a large market station. So that was always a little terrifying. There was that, but the people I worked with were so supportive. People like Tom Mark, people like Dan Burrett, Marcella Bernardo. CKNW was such a great... Um, it was such a great start for me, and I, and I still feel so lucky to have been there. Um, the pace of that place, as you know, uh, is is crazy, but it prepares you for everything. It really does. You know, as, as, a, as a journalism student, you think of, oh, I have to write this script, and I really have to, you know, be very prepared before I go on the air, and you should be. But you, CKNW teaches you to think on your feet and to just... To just go with your instinct. And um, I don't know where else in radio in this town you can get that training. It was very malleable. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you. Hi, my name is Larry Gifford. I am the uh, program director of CKNW and the national director of Talk for Chorus. And you've only been with CKNW for a few years, but you bring a lot of experience from the U.S. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about CKNW, in terms of, you know, the rest of the news talk landscape and where it stands in that landscape? Uh, That's an interesting question. Uh, I think CKNW is one of those heritage radio stations in North America that really transcends the the medium. Uh, it's, It's as known as some of the big talkers in the U.S., uh, and has had major success over the years. Um, I, I, it's gone through different transitions, as most talk stations do. Uh, what I found when I came here is that it was very politically minded uh, and had gone, got, sort of was leaning towards what was happening in the United States with Rush Limbaugh and all those conservative shows where they were looking at every topic through, the, through a political lens. And what I tried to do when I got here was, was communicate to everybody, like, we need to be telling stories of our community and looking at all the lenses that we have through our life. So I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a taxpayer, I'm, uh, I'm from the States, but I live in Canada. So we have all these different ways we can look at stories, but for whatever reason, we're just looking at them through the left-right lens, and that's easy and boring. And so what we've really tried to do is revitalize the idea of great storytelling on the air and, and being advocates for our community. So the station's undergone, we were just speaking about the reorganization. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, that whole process over the past few years? Well, I mean, it's like with every media, especially radio right now, we're looking for ways to maximize our talent, maximize, you know, create content once and serve it up a a number of different ways. Uh, We need to cut costs, but we need to grow the revenue line. Like everybody's going through these same challenges and everybody does it a little bit differently. And for for NW, you know, it's it's never easy to say goodbye to people who have been there for a long time. Uh, But part of the reason we're having this today, the 75th anniversary party is, is to sort of give respect to everybody who came before us because without the groundwork that was laid over the course of those 75 years, we, we wouldn't have jobs. I mean, the success of the radio station begets the success of the radio station. And so for us, we, we've really gone uh, uh, about trying to really reinvent what we do and how we do it. And, and you know, there's been three main phases over the course of the life of NW. There was the early years uh, the, with the ownership of Bill Ray, and then there was the Griffiths, the Wick years, uh, which really was the meat of NW's success, which was like 44 years. And then Chorus came in with the 2000s. And what Chorus has tried to do is bring it into the future, make it continue to make it profitable in a time where the competition is just 
ridiculous uh, and, and, uh, and, and really cut costs where we can, but it's not cut costs to cut costs. It's to find efficiencies and to maximize talent. And, and to, when we're having success somewhere, try to figure out how do we replicate that success. And so, and, and now we're looking at the future. So we've just uh, redone the studios in, in Vancouver to add uh, HD cameras. We're going to do visual radio. Uh, it's going to, there's, we're, we're talking about over the top products like, like you have on your television. So we're looking for all the different ways we can serve up this great radio content, whether it's audio, visual, digital, whatever. Let's have a let's be real moment, Larry. There's a lot of gray hair out there in that room right now. What's the future of News Talk Radio? The future of News Talk Radio is the FM. Uh, right now, if I was in music radio and I wasn't like a personality, but I was a liner reader, I'd be scared. Uh, personality is going to win the day in radio. And radio's not going anywhere. People have been trying to kill it off for 50 years. It was going to die with television. It was going to die with 8-track. It was going to die with CD. It was going to die with the iPad. It's going to die with Spotify. It's going to die with satellite radio. It's still here. It's still reaching 90% of Canadian audiences every week. Uh, so it's very viable. Yesterday, we, we re-aired the Beatles concert for two hours from 1964. We got a 14.9 share of the market. For, for, for adults 35-64, over a 10-share for adults 25-54. They're listening. They're, they're still very much aware of the radio. So I'm, I'm not concerned about the audience. And In my time here, we've lowered the average age of CKNW's audience by 10 years. Anything else you want to add, Larry? I'm just really privileged to to play a small role in the history of CKNW. It's a, it, it really is It's a heritage radio station uh, and thousands of people have done great work and one of the hardest parts and I've, I've told a lot of people this one of the hardest parts of celebrating 75 years is that you 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 point to sort of the north stars the the jack websters and you start to highlight these personalities and then everybody goes well what about this other guy and then what about this other thing you did and, and you can't highlight everything and so what we try to do is celebrate the essence of cknw the spirit of this radio station and everything and everybody who's contributed to over the past and so i just uh, i'd take this opportunity to just thank everybody who, who who's played a small part in this radio station because without everybody contributing to it, it wouldn't be what it is today. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.